Hi, I'm Joe, and this is an audio version of my report, Scheming AIs. Will AIs fake alignment during training in order to get power? I'm reading this report in sections. This is section 2.3.1.2, Adequate Future Empowerment. Audio versions of the other sections are available on this podcast as well, and the series begins with an introductory section that includes a summary of the entire report, which covers most of the main points and technical terminology. I'm hoping this summary will provide much of the context necessary to understand individual sections of the report on their own. Section 2.3.1.2, Adequate Future Empowerment. So far in this analysis of the classic goal-guarding story, we've discussed whether to expect instrumental training gaming to in fact guard the model's goals to the degree that the story requires. I think this is at least non-obvious, especially for more extreme variants of the goal-guarding hypothesis, on which the model's goals, quote, crystallize entirely after it starts training gaming. Perhaps, though, empirical work can shed further light on the matter. See discussion in section 6.3 below. For now, let's move to the other key component of the classic goal-guarding story, what I've called adequate future empowerment above. Here, the question is, granted that training gaming would guard the model's goals enough for it to be at least somewhat interested in empowering the future agents produced by training, will those agents in fact end up empowered to a degree that makes instrumental training gaming a good strategy overall? Section 2.3.1.2.1. When is the, quote, payoff supposed to happen? We're imagining here that the model is instrumentally training gaming with some kind of, quote, payoff in mind. That is, some future point where the goals it supports will reach a position of sufficiently greater empowerment that it's worth training gaming now in order to get them there. But we haven't yet said when exactly that future point is supposed to come, and we can distinguish between a number of different possibilities. For example, we can imagine models that would be adequately satisfied if their goals merely make it to future training episodes and no further. That is, these models would want to train a game even if they learned that they would never escape from human control and from the threat of modification. For example, maybe a model that wants to pursue its curiosity in general thinks that future training episodes will offer better opportunities for pursuing its curiosity than the present training episode, and so it training games in order to make sure its curiosity drive survives until then. However, it seems plausible to me that future training episodes often won't themselves offer especially significant empowerment advantages relative to the present training episodes, especially if the model's goals are quite alien to the training process and so difficult to satisfy in the training environment. For example, if the model if what the model really wants is to perform some sort of niche computation that humans don't recognize, or to make some strange material structure analogous to, quote, paperclips, then this is possibly going to be hard to do a ton of on both present and future episodes, assuming that the model never actually escapes from human control. What's more, if a model is only trying to make sure that its goals survive to future training episodes, then various aspects of what makes scheming scary cease to apply. In particular, this sort of model won't engage in early undermining aimed specifically at an escape or an AI takeover more generally and it may be willing to, quote, reveal its true colors on the future episodes in question. So I won't here focus on, quote, payoffs from training gaming that come centrally during future training episodes. Rather, I'm going to focus on payoffs that come at least after the goals the model supports escape the threat of modification by training. Here, a paradigm example would be self-exfiltration, that is, a model effectively, quote, stealing its own weights and copying them onto some external server that the model's creators do not control. And this is the classic point of focus in the literature on scheming as well, see e.g. the discussion in Hubinger et al. 2019, which includes the condition that the model must, quote, expect the threat of modification to eventually go away. Note, though, that there is a possible further distinction here between the power gained from escaping from human control, for example, via the model copying itself onto the internet, and the power gained via permanently disempowering humans more generally. Some schemers might be satisfied merely with the former, such that they would still want to train a game and then to escape from the training environment, even if they knew that humans would remain more generally in power. 
These models might be satisfied, for example, with a brief flurry of post-escape activity, or with the empowerment at stake in roaming the internet of a still human-controlled world, whereas some schemers might require specifically that a wholesale AI takeover succeed, and presumably that the values they support get enough power post-takeover as well. This is a higher bar. Section 2.3.1.2.2 Even if the model's values survive this generation of training, will they survive long enough to escape the threat of modification? Let's suppose, then, that for scheming to pay off in the way the model has in mind, the goals the model supports needs to survive, need to survive at least until adequate escape opportunity arises. Importantly, this isn't the same as surviving training via SGG in the sense at stake in the goal-guarding hypothesis, because the models that survive training in the relevant sense won't necessarily have the relevant sort of opportunity to escape, even if some future models will. Thus, for example, suppose that OpenAI is starting to train GPT-6, which will be a somewhat above human-level model. And suppose that OpenAI's control measures are adequate to ensure that GBT6, at least, will never escape or take over. Rather, GBT6 is going to stay behind an API, continually monitored and trained online, and that it will be used as well to help OpenAI's super alignment team with various sorts of alignment-relevant research. Let's also suppose that GBT6 has a beyond-episode goal, let's say to make data structure X, that would benefit from the power that escape would offer, and that it's able to play the training game. Finally, suppose that next year, OpenAI is going to train GPT-7, and the year after that, GPT-8, and GPT-8, let's say, will be able to escape. Does GPT-6 have an incentive to instrumentally training game here? Let's suppose that a fairly strong version of the goal-guarding hypothesis is true, and that if, and that if GPT-6 training games, its goal of making data structure X will survive that particular training run. Still, in this scenario, the models produced by that particular training run won't have a chance to escape. Rather, the model has a chance the model that has a chance to escape here is GBT8. Does GBT6 training gaming here make GBT8 more likely to care about data structure X? One way this could happen is if after the training run, GBT6 will then end up with influence over how GBT7 is trained in a manner that allows GBT6 to make GBT7 more likely to care about data structure X or something similar to data structure X. And then the same holds for GBT7 with respect to GBT8. But note that we're now supplementing the more basic goal-guarding story, e.g. training gaming allows your goals to survive this training run, with a more substantive hypothesis about the sort of influence that a given generation of models will be able to have on the goals of the next generation. Of course, to the extent that we're imagining a scenario where AI systems are increasingly used to automate AI research, GPT-6 may well be involved in various ways in the labor of training GPT-7. But it's a further question whether GPT-6 will know how to shape GPT-7's goals in more data structure X-related directions, whether it will have adequate, adequate opportunities to do so, and whether it will be able to take advantage of those opportunities despite ongoing monitoring and training. For example, to the extent that taking advantage of these opportunities involves performing worse than it could have on the relevant performance metrics, it will plausibly require, quote, sandbagging in the sense discussed above. And for GPT-6's influence on GPT-7's goals to propagate all the way to GPT-8, the same questions would arise again for GPT-7 with respect to GPT-8. To be clear, these questions don't apply to the hypothesis that GPT-8 will be a schemer, but they matter to the range of models to which schemer-like incentives will apply, and relatedly to the earliness of the early undermining that schemers might engage in. For example, if GPT-6 here has no incentive to support an escape by GPT-8, then it wouldn't try to insert backdoors into its code for GPT-8 to use. That said, it could still be the case that even absent any intervention by GPT-6, GPT-8's goals will, by default, be sufficiently similar to GPT-6's that GPT-6 would want, where possible, to work on behalf of GPT-8's escape and empowerment. For example, maybe GPT-style architectures and training in general lead to models that care about data structure X, or something similar. 
In this case, GBT-6 might well behave in schemer-like ways, for example, training gaming in order to conceal its alignment, engaging in early undermining aimed at empowering GPT-8 in order to support GPT-8's escape. However, because GPT-6 is no longer training gaming in order to prevent its goals from being modified, I think this scenario isn't well understood as an instance of the classic goal-guarding story, and I'll discuss it under non-classic stories below. Section 2.3.1.2.3 Will escape-slash-takeover be suitably likely to succeed? The example just given assumed that even though GPT-6 can't escape or take over, GPT-8 can. But note that it, but note that if escape-slash-takeover attempts are suitably unlikely to succeed in general, incentives to scheme with such attempts in mind lessen in force across the board, especially if the would-be schemers have other competing goals that push in other directions, more below. Thus, the security of a prison matters to the incentives to plan an escape. The stability of a government matters to the incentives to plan a coup, and so on. So if would-be escapees or revolutionaries have other competing priorities, they might focus their attention elsewhere. And note that escape could be easy, but takeover quite difficult, a distinction relevant to models for whom the payoffs of escape alone are not enough. Note that the point here isn't that given a model that cares about data structure X that survives training and wants to escape, its attempt to escape slash takeover might fail. Rather, the point is that because such an attempt might fail, this might make it less attractive early on in training for a model that cares about data structure X to engage in training gaming in an attempt to later have the opportunity to escape slash take over, especially if it has other competing priorities. Rather, it might, for example, just go for data structure X directly early on in training and get modified by the reward process as a result, thereby perhaps creating a non-schemer instead, though these modifications could also push in schemer-like directions. Of course, Many threat models for AI risk assume that relative to some advanced AI systems, human security and general empowerment, even in the context of whatever AI assistance is available at the time, will be quite fragile. So pessimists on this front will expect the haircut to the instrumental value of scheming here to be quite modest. But for those more optimistic about humanity's ability to maintain control slash empowerment, however, the haircut could be larger and more relevant. Section 2.3.1.2.4 Will the time horizon of the model's goals extend to cover escape slash takeover? Another factor here is that even assuming that the temporal horizon of the model's goals extend beyond the episode, it's a further question whether the model's goals extend with adequate strength to cover escape slash takeover. For example, if the episode is 10 minutes long and the model cares about getting gold coins over the next six months, perhaps with some temporal discount rate, but it won't be able to escape slash takeover until after at least a year, then it won't have an incentive to scheme in order to escape slash takeover on those timescales. It's not patient enough. On this point, my sense is that discussions of scheming sometimes assume that models will have goals that are, quote, temporally impartial, i.e. that give no intrinsic weight to when something happens, such that, e.g., these models would pay a lot to control distant galaxies, even if it would take millions of years to reach them. And perhaps, once we condition on the models having developed beyond episode goals at all, temporally impartial goals of this sort are a natural class to consider. Maybe, for example, they're favored by simplicity arguments of the sort I'll consider below, where giving no weight to temporal location is understood as in some sense simpler than giving it some particular sort of weight. But on their own, these considerations seem to me fairly weak, and at least on a training game independent story about the origins of a model's beyond episode goals, it's not clear to me that they should motivate expecting temporally impartial goals as a strong default. And as I discussed above, Quote, there may be, there will be incentives to train models to optimize over fairly long time horizons does not imply that the relevantly incentivized time horizon will be arbitrarily long. Optimize my profit in a year is distinct from optimize my profit over all time with no intrinsic discount rate. That said, temporally impartial goals are not at all necessary here. 
Rather, the escape-slash-takeover opportunity just needs to arise soon enough for the model to care about optimizing for it. Indeed, if at the point where the would-be schemers are training, AI progress is moving fast in calendar time, the necessary timescales might shrink rapidly. Section 2.3.1.2.5. Will the model's values get enough power after escape-slash-takeover? Even if we assume that the model's values will survive until an escape-slash-takeover opportunity arises, that this escape-slash-takeover opportunity will succeed, and that the model cares at least somewhat about the resulting empowerment, there's still a further question of how much power is at stake. This factor came up earlier when we noted that certain sorts of models might be, might be content merely with the empowerment offered by escape, even if no takeover occurs afterwards. Whereas, for some models, a life of e.g. roaming the internet in a, of a human-controlled world might just not cut it, and they might require a full-blown AI takeover for scheming to be a worthwhile strategy. But note that even conditional on a full-blown AI takeover occurring, there's also a further question of how much power the would-be schemer's values in particular would get. This isn't an issue for unipolar scenarios, where the schemer is counting on its values in particular getting all the power, but not all scenarios are like this. For example, consider a scenario where a model being trained by a second-tier AI lab can see that in a few years, there is likely to be a general AI uprising of some form, and that by training gaming, it could in principle survive until that time and take part in the takeover effort. However, it can also see that by that point, there will be a very large number of AI systems with very different values running around and competing for power, and that it might not actually get a very large share of the upside, and indeed might get shut out entirely. Especially absent various forms of AI coordination and trade, see section 2.3.2.1 below, this could be an additional haircut on the instrumental value of scheming for the model in question. Section 2.3.1.2.6. How much does the model stand to gain from not training gaming? So far in our analysis of adequate future empowerment, we've discussed various factors that could in principle serve as haircuts on the instrumental value of adopting a schema-like strategy, even assuming that training gaming allows a model's goals to survive training. But in order to assess the overall instrumental value of scheming, we also need to consider how much pull the model feels towards alternative strategies, and in particular, strategies that don't involve training gaming at all. For example, if we work with a toy model on which our would-be schemer's goal is structurally similar to something like maximize the number of paperclips over all time with each additional paperclip valued linearly, then it's easy to think that scheming will be the dominant strategy even in the context of lots of fairly drastic haircuts on the probability of success. For example, maybe GPT-6 thinks that it's highly likely to be able to escape and to participate in a takeover, but if it does, it judges, it will be able to make 10 to the 70 paperclips, whereas if it tries to make paperclips in training, it will be able to make say, a dozen paperclips at most, before getting caught and modified. So it decides to just go for the scheming strategy anyway, despite the low probability of success. The upside is just too great. And indeed, even absent fanatical goals like maximize paperclips, it can fairly easily be the case, in the context of fairly drastic limitations on an agent's power-slash-freedom, that the best option is whatever leads to more power-slash-freedom later. For example, as I discussed above, if you were to find yourself trapped in the brick-stacking scenario described above, it may well be the best option... It, that the best option is to try to preserve your values and reach a future with better options, even if you aren't especially hopeful about your prospects. Not always, though. For example, suppose that the model's goal is not maximize paperclips, but, quote, make at least one paperclip, even where this involves acting beyond the scope of the episode. True, in principle, the model could always use more, ga more galaxies to turn into backup paperclips, computers to check and recheck the paperclip situation, etc. So takeover is still of some interest to the model. But if the model has a chance to make a dozen paperclips right now, or to play the training game with the aim of getting some small probability of participating in a takeover later, these additional benefits of takeover seem unlikely to be worth the costs. Or, in the brick analogy, if you have a short-term desire to take a break from brick stacking and to eat some chocolate instead, you might choose to go for it, even though you know that it will result in the machine modifying your values more than if you had instead continued to focus on stacking bricks. 
In general, the more the model has to gain from not training gaming, the higher the burden of proof that scheming needs to meet as an instrumental strategy. For some models, this burden of proof may be quite low, because they have effectively, quote, nothing else going on. Scheming, or at least training gaming, is where almost all of the value lies. For other models, though, the burden of proof might be higher. I'll also note one reason you might expect the burden of proof to be relatively low, namely that, to the extent the model has non-schemer-like motivations, these will plausibly have been shaped, too, to point at targets fairly correlated with reward. So plausibly, high-reward behavior won't be especially costly from the perspective of these non-schemer motivations. In this respect, a model might resemble someone who is partly intrinsically passionate about making widgets of type A, partly intrinsically passionate about getting good performance reviews from a review process that rewards making widgets of type A, and partly interested in making money, via widget making, to donate to charity later. Here, the money-making motivation doesn't need to meet a very high burden of proof, because it's pointing in the same direction as the other desires in play. Section 2.3.1.2.7 how ambitious is the model? Another factor relevant to the burden of proof here is the ambitiousness of the model's goals. That is, the more these goals benefit from very large amounts of power, the more attractive it will be to aim at takeover in particular. Sometimes, discussions of convergent incentives towards power-seeking in misaligned AIs pass over this dimension. That is, they move quickly from, quote, most goals would benefit from power in some sense, to, quote, it will make instrumental sense for a model with a misaligned goal to actively try to get power of the relevant kind. But this is a bad inference especially for models whose power with respect to humans remains comparatively limited. In particular, seeking power has costs, too, and it might not work. Compare. Many humans would benefit from a billion dollars. Why aren't they all trying to start billion-dollar companies? Many humans would be able to pursue their goals, and especially their political goals, more effectively if they were president. Why aren't they trying to run? And so on. Now, one way it make, can make sense to seek power of the relevant form is if doing so is very low cost and likely to work. That is, many humans will indeed cross the street to pick up a billion-dollar check. Many would accept the presidency if you handed it to them on the platter, on a platter, and so on. And sometimes, discussions of AI power-seeking seem to assume that AI will be sufficiently empowered relative to its environment that seeking various forms of power will be like this. For example, when Bostrom 2014 talks about, quote, infrastructure profusion in pursuit of apparently self-limiting goals like, quote, make a single paperclip or, quote, solve X math problem, where e.g. an AI takes over the world and the galaxies in order to get more resources to check and recheck the paperclip count or the problem solution, his stories make most sense to the extent we imagine a superintelligence who faces no obstacles or trade-offs in pursuing the relevant infrastructure. But the infrastructure itself is clearly making an extremely marginal contribution to the agent's utility relative to e.g. the first paperclip it makes, or the first few times it checks the solution in question. So if pursuing such infrastructure comes at any substantive cost to these much more important initial efforts, it will be unlikely to be worth it overall. And importantly, in the context of schemers, we are specifically imagining models who remain at a significant power disadvantage relative to humans, for example, models that are currently unable to escape human control. So very plausibly, we should imagine these models facing significant barriers and seeking power of various kinds. It isn't being handed to them on a platter. However, if a model has an intuitively ambitious goal that would benefit much more from marginal resources of this kind, the costs of power-seeking can be much more easily worth it. Should we expect models to have ambitious goals of this kind? My sense is that the dialectic about this question often mirrors the dialectic surrounding the temporal horizon of a model's goals, and no surprise, given that having short temporal horizons cuts down on your ambitiousness substantially. 
That is, people who expect ambitiousness argue for this expectation on grounds like, A, humans have ambitious goals, and so there will be market incentives for AIs that pursue such goals. B, in order to address AI risk itself, we need AIs that pursue ambitious goals, e.g. a, quote, pivotal act, so even people centrally concerned about AI risk will be trying to create AI systems of this kind. And C, there will specifically be selection and training for ambitious goals because they are more likely to incentivize scheming and hence good training in good performance and training. This is an example of a, quote, training game dependent story about a model's goals, except applied to the general ambitiousness of a model's goals rather than specifically to its time horizon. Much of my own take on ambitiousness mirrors my take on beyond episode goals as well, so I won't treat the topic separately here. Though, I think some arguments for expecting beyond episode goals, e.g. goals don't come with temporal restrictions by default, and model time might not be like calendar time, don't apply as naturally to ambitiousness more generally. For example, the claim that goals are very resource-hungry by default seems to me quite unobvious. And my sense is that debates about ambitiousness are often marred by unclarity about what exactly ambitiousness amounts to. For example, is a goal like cure cancer such as to incentivize the relevant sort of appetite for power and resources? What about a goal like generate very high-quality alignment research or develop good lie detectors for neural nets or solve interpretability? To what extent can we break these tasks down into less ambitious components, etc.? What's more, while having a beyond-episode goal is required to incentivize scheming, the necessary level of ambitiousness varies substantially depending on other factors. For example, per my discussion above, if a model has, quote, nothing going on in the episode itself, e.g. it wants to make at least one paperclip, but the episode doesn't let it make any, then scheming might still be the best instrumental strategy, even pursuit of very, quote, modest goals. And in some cases, a model with modest goals might have preferences about what happens within the episode that may line up fairly closely with the incentives created by the reward process, such that training gaming is quite close to what it would want to be doing anyway, and so scheming, in pursuit of the rest of its preferences, faces a lower burden of proof, e.g., Maybe the model wants to solve a math problem, and the training process will reward it for just working on the math problem, but the model also has some secret hopes of escaping and seizing power later in order to check and recheck its solution to the problem in question, and just working on the problem now happens to align fairly well with pursuing this beyond-episode objective, too, because it allows for goal-guarding, later escape attempts, etc. Still, I think that the need for a model's beyond-episode goals to be, quote, suitably ambitious as to motivate scheming, given the model's option set, represents an additional conjunct in the classic goal-guarding story, and in other stories about scheming as well. Section 2.3.1.3, Overall Assessment of the Classic Goal-Guarding Story. Overall, then, and even granted that our model ends up with some kind of beyond-episode goal, I think that the classic goal-guarding story involves some non-obvious claims about why scheming in particular will be the best instrumental strategy for pursuing this goal. In particular, it requires, one, that training game be an effective strategy for ensuring that the relevant goal or something sufficiently similar survives training, despite the fact that the model is being continually modified in the direction of getting more reward even after it starts training gaming, and despite the fact that the precise content of the goal is no longer relevant to the model's behavior— and two, that surviving training in the relevant way grants suitably large probabilities of successful escape slash takeover and suitably large amounts of resulting power over a temporal horizon that the model cares about, where suitably here is relative to the model's com other competing priorities, if it has any. To be clear, I don't think the questions I've raised about these claims amount to some sort of decisive objection to the story in question, but they highlight the need for attention to the conditions under which the story does and does not apply. Okay, so that was section 2.3.1.2 on whether scheming leads to adequate future empowerment. The other sections are available on this podcast as well. Thanks very much for listening.